If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Word of Life study series, Faith That Moves Mountains. This episode will bring forth revelation from God's Word that will equip us with the keys of the kingdom. These keys of faith will unlock God's possibilities in any impossible situation. Here are just a few objectives. Number one, provide the believer with the essential biblical background and principles concerning faith. Number two, build excitement in God's possibilities for his children to enter into their promised land. Number three, point out areas of excess, pitfalls, and misnomers that have led Christians into ditches. Romans 3.27 in the King James Version states, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Mark 11.22 Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. God says what he means, and means what he says. So I challenge you by the authority of God's word, to be open-minded with a heart to receive what scripture and the spirit of God will reveal to you. Expect God's word to cause you to stretch and grow. Be prepared to walk on water of circumstances by faith, and walk in the realm of the miraculous. God is a faith God, and He expects us to learn how to walk by faith. I believe that this episode will equip you with fundamental concepts concerning faith. The way in which God created and ordered our natural world is the way in which the spiritual realm operates. The physical realm is established upon natural laws that govern the operation of this physical universe. 
There are rules and principles of science that humanity is discovering every day in order to harness our natural resources to produce good things for mankind. When we discovered the law of electricity, it did not mean that the principles of electricity all of a sudden came into being. They were operating since the beginning of creation. In other words, the light bulb, computers, electric appliances could have been invented thousands of years ago. There are still unlimited uses for it yet to be discovered. However, discovery does not create the law, but harnessing it for a particular use. The law of faith has been in existence for all eternity past. Through God's word, we will discover its operation and use in order to harness and produce our inheritance in Christ on this earth and in our lives as well. For we are blessed to be a blessing. This is our destiny. Some essential truths are illustrated in Romans chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, for all of us to take note of. Just because folks fail to enter into God's best for their lives does not nullify, discount, or disqualify God's best for everyone. One of the greatest dangers facing Christians today is basing personal experience above doctrine and plain truth in God's word, whether it be personal or someone else's personal experiences. Just because we become aware of a wonderful, godly Christian who died prematurely of cancer does not mean God's word failed. God is not schizophrenic. He does not change spiritual laws arbitrarily. He is not sovereign to the extent that he violates his own word. Since God has emphatically declared that by his stripes you are healed in 1 Peter 2.24, this redemptive reality is available to all, but not all will be healed just as not all will be saved. If people die and go to hell, is that God's fault? Did God's word fail? Of course not. Neither is it God's will for us to be sick in our bodies. There is always a reason why bad things happen to God's children. And we will not always know the reason why, but we do know it is never God's will. Why? Because the Bible teaches that Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 Sure, trials, tests, and temptations and persecutions come to every believer, but they are from the devil, not God. Through the promises of God, we overcome what the devil meant for evil and God turns it around for our good, Romans 8.28. So let's read Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some did not have faith? Would their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true, and every man a liar as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In the Amplified it states, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed, of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. In the New King James Version, it states, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, according to the scripture, is being sure, it's a substance, assurance, confirmation, title deed, certainty, proof of things, conviction of their reality, and perceiving as real fact, the actual evidence. Before we actually discuss the spiritual principles of faith, I believe that it would benefit our discussion on this subject if we look at the biblical usage of this word. For example, the Bible refers to the faith 
or just faith? Let's look at the differences between these two. The casual reader may become confused when they read these two uses of faith, but they mean two different things. So first is the faith. It is interesting to note that this phrase is first found in the book of Acts in the King James Version of the Bible. This is significant because the use of faith in this context is referring to a system of beliefs by a group of people, the Christian faith. Has anybody ever come to you and asked, what faith do you belong to? This person wants to know which religion you adhere to. This particular usage of faith in this context is being used as a noun that describes a group of people. Acts 6 verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests became obedient to the faith. 1 Timothy 4.1 The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. The word believers is another term that even more specifically refers to a group of believers who adhere to and practice a particular religion. In our case, of course, we are speaking of Christianity. Acts 5.12 The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Now we'll look at faith. Let's look at the use of this word in biblical text as a verb, an action word. Faith in its very core is an action. This word is basically used in every book of the New Testament. For our purposes, in this book, we will be studying this particular use of the word, the biblical operation of the law of faith, the simple implementation of the spiritual laws and principles of faith. So in Matthew 17.20, Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The word believe denotes an action or implementation of the principles of faith. Mark 16.17 And Jesus went on to say, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. In conclusion, we have seen that the faith and believers refers to a group of people who have been embracing a doctrine of beliefs. We have also seen that faith and belief are used in connection with exercising spiritual principles that cause the recipient to receive provision from God to meet a particular need. These words come from the same basic Greek word in a Strong's Concordance. Faith is pistis, which means a persuasion, a credence, a conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher especially reliance upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Also, it means a profession or a confession, an assurance, a belief to believe, faith, and fidelity. Now, the word believe is a different Greek word, which basically means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or a thing, to entrust one's spiritual well-being to the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe, commit, to trust, put trust with. The word faith and believers in the Old Testament is used zero times. In the New Testament, the faith is used 34 times and believers is used 21 times. Now, in the Old Testament, the word faith is used 16 times and believe 21 times compared to in the New Testament is used 254 times for faith and 139 times for believe. Now that we've made a distinction between the usage of the word faith 
we can now begin to analyze the specific use of faith in the context of spiritual principles. Let's explore and actually compose a biblical definition for faith. Of course, the number one scripture in the Bible that best defines faith is found in Hebrews 11.1. Moffat's translation reads it this way, Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. Another translation reads, Faith is giving substance to the things we hoped for. And here's another translation. Faith is the warranty deed, the thing for which we have finally hoped for is at last ours. The King James Version of Hebrews 11.1 states it this way, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have created a conglomeration of terms from other translations for Hebrews 11.1 and synonyms for these words. The purpose for defining these words is to paint a spiritual portrait of what faith is. These definitions come from the New Shorter Oxford English Dictionary. Now, faith is a substance, confirmation, title deed, confidence, assurance, being sure of, what we hope for, the evidence, conviction, certain proof of things not seen. So let's take one word at a time. The word substance means the being, essence, material property, the essential nature or inherent part of a thing, that of which a physical thing consists, the essential material forming a thing, that in which properties or attributes inhere. The next word is confirmation. So the dictionary definition for confirmation is strengthen or make firm, establish, and encourage. How about the third word, title deed? A deed or document containing or constituting evidence of ownership, that which justifies or substantiates a claim or recognized right, an assertion of right or claim. The fourth word is confidence, which means a firm trust, reliance, assured expectation, and boldness. Number five is assurance, a formal guarantee, engagement or pledge, as a law term, the security of title or property. And number six, being sure, which is trustworthy, firm, steadfast, can be depended or relied upon, reliable, steady, unfaltering, firmly established and stable, convinced, confident, having no doubt, certain to come or happen, inevitable, certain to be, established as a truth or fact, not to be doubted, unfailing and reliable. So faith is the substance, confirmation, title deed, confidence, assurance, and being sure of what we hope for. Now let's look at four more words. The first one is evidence, which means an indication, a sign, facts or testimony in support of a conclusion, statement or belief, something serving as proof, manifestation or display, to attest, demonstrate or prove, information, in the form of personal or documented testimony or the production of material objects, tending or used to establish facts in a legal investigation, a document by means of which a fact is established, an example is a title deed. The second word is conviction, the act of convincing someone of something, strong belief on the ground of satisfactory reasons, evidence, or proof. Now we come to the third word, certain which means determined, fixed, not variable, definite, precise, exact, sure, inevitable, unfailing, 
wholly reliable, established as truth or fact, not to be doubted, assured, and convinced. And finally, we come to the word proof, which is defined as a piece of evidence or an argument establishing a fact or the truth or validity of a statement, a sequence of steps by which a theorem is derived from given premises, the action, process, or fact of establishing the truth or validity of a statement. So again, faith is the evidence, conviction, certain proof of things not seen. Faith is the substance. Faith as a substance does not make a lot of sense to people. When most Christians hear the word faith, they only are thinking of the one side of faith, the noun usage, the faith. In other words, they are thinking of the tenets of the faith, represented in a creed, a belief system in statement form. However, the flip side of understanding faith is through scripture as spiritual laws. I'm talking about a faith in God that manifests the kingdom of God on the earth, something that is real and tangible. Hebrews 11.3 in the King James Version. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The NIV translation of the Bible states concerning the latter part of this verse, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. If God is a faith God, and he created the universe by exercising his faith, then according to Hebrews 11.3, the faith he released was the word of God. The substance of faith is God's word, filled with spiritual life. Jesus said in John 6.63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Just think about it. Faith is not visible, nor are words, but faith takes words and releases them into space to create substance and reality in our lives. I like something a minister once said about faith. Faith is grasping the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality. We have been discussing what is faith, and according to Hebrews 11.3, faith is God's word in action, or faith is the spoken word of God. Faith has a voice. It is written. Faith will say about itself, everything that the word says, for faith is simply faith in his word. Let me illustrate that faith and God's word are synonymous terms. In Romans chapter 12 verse 3, it states, in accordance to the measure of faith God has given you. According to 1 Peter 1.23, we were born again through the word of God. The word we heard and received for salvation is the measure of faith we start off with as Christians. That measure of faith grows as we hear and receive more of God's word in our life. Romans 10.17 states, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, our faith level is measured by the word level that is resident and operative in our hearts. Here is a principle that will help you immensely. Faith always speaks in the present tense. Faith is now. If it is not happening now, then it is not faith because faith begins working the moment it is released out of our heart and through our mouth. Hope, on the other hand, is always future tense. Hope encompasses our dreams and our vision for tomorrow. Faith works today to bring about those dreams and visions and to bring them into reality. If we are just hoping and a-praying, we will be waiting a long time. We can never catch up to hope because it's always ahead of us, but faith is now, present tense. For example, Jesus said in Mark 11:24, 24, 
Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Remember that hope is future tense. Romans 8.24 But in this hope you were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Faith says, I have it now, according to God's word. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, I was healed. Notice that Jesus said, it will be yours. Your prayer may not immediately materialize before your very eyes, but as far as faith is concerned, you already have it. Hope is important because it creates the desire to receive from God. But who hopes for what he already has? If you are only hoping to receive something from God, that is the first step. But without faith, there will be no substance to what you desire. When you add faith, which are the legs, to your hope, which are your desires and dreams, the answer is right around the corner. Did you notice that in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, By his stripes you were healed? The word were means past tense. It already happened. It's finished. An established fact. And nothing more can be done to change it. God has done everything he's going to do about your healing and my healing and meeting any other need in our life. I can say this because of what 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God has already made ample provision for us to meet every need that we may encounter in this life. By simply mixing faith with God's promises, we create the reality of it in our lives so that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. The blessings of God are not going to drop on us like ripe cherries from a cherry tree. Even though God gave the people of Israel the promised land, they still had to go in and take possession of it. The Israelites had to go in and lay claim of their God-given inheritance. And it was not without a fight, according to Joshua 1.3. The same laying hold of our inheritance lays before the church today. The Israelites fought their enemies in the natural, but the church, as the spiritual Israel of today, Abraham's spiritual seed in Galatians 4.29, must fight in the spiritual arena, the good fight of faith by standing on God's word according to 1 Timothy 6.12. Faith is the evidence. Now the word evidence is a legal term that denotes words like proof or title deed. Faith is not some practice that weird religious nuts exercise, some ridiculous notions of presumption and supposition. This faith business, as some ridicule, is really God's business of doing things. It is very real from a spiritual standpoint. The word assurance in the King James Version, or proof in the NIV, in Acts 17.31, is the same Greek word as faith. You may ask, how can faith be my evidence when I can't see any change taking place? Actually, we can see faith. 
When we open the Bible and read God's Word, we are gazing upon the eternal beauty of faith. God's Word, or faith, is the evidence of things that are not seen. Just take God at His Word. The proof of our answer is found upon the pages of the Holy Bible. The testimony that God has declared about our situation is all that we need in order to take it to the bank and cash in on His provision for our lives. Go back and listen to the definition of evidence again. The Bible is all of that. The circumstances are indicating one thing, and God's Word is saying something else. So who are we going to believe? What we see or what God has already said? Faith is simply agreeing with God's Word, which is more real than what we feel, hear, or see. Until we get the promises of God into our hearts where faith works, the circumstances of life will probably be more real to us. Now let's look at Abraham. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham had two pieces of evidence to look at. One was the fact that his body was as good as dead. The other was God's promise. I have made you a father of many nations. Abram had a choice to make. Do I believe God or do I believe in the condition of my body? Would you like to know the secret to Abraham's faith? God gave him some proof that the promise was greater than the circumstance. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So the two pieces of evidence that Abram had working for him was that he confirmed his promise with an oath and the fact that it is impossible for God to lie. These two pieces of evidence are inherent within the word of God. Concerning faith, it is always comes back to God's word. Please note that hope always comes by hearing the promise of God. Faith never denies the evidence that the natural realm supplies, but faith acknowledges and adheres to a higher law or a form of evidence. Truth supersedes circumstances. God's word never fails. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. So when medical science supplies us with their evidence, let's show them ours. It is written. Three kinds of faith. The first one is natural human faith. 
Everyone has natural human faith, saint or sinner alike. It is simply believing with the five physical senses, what we feel, taste, touch, smell, and hear. With the five physical senses, we contact this natural world. This natural world is real to us because we detect its presence through our physical body. This natural human faith is based on knowledge and experience previously gathered through our five senses and stored in our mind. Notice that the mind and the body work very closely together when it comes to functioning in this natural world. Now, without our five senses, our mind would be completely in the dark as to what is going on around us. Likewise, without our mind to assimilate and process the data, our body would have no course of action to take. Without instructions from our brain, our body won't respond. Our senses probe the natural world and feed the information into our brain where it is processed. This information is compared to previous experiences supplied from our memory banks. As a result, a course of action is produced and conveyed back to the body, which responds accordingly. Let's see some examples of this natural human faith in action. I'm sure that you have great faith in electricity to turn on the lights in your house. Suppose you and your family come home late at night and the house is completely dark. Well, you know by experience that when you flip that switch on the inside of your door, that the hall light is going to come on. As a matter of fact, you know it without thinking. You have developed such a high degree of natural human faith in this area of your life that you expect that light to turn on. Trial and error has taught you that. Suppose you invite a primitive native from some third world country to stay with you at your home. This person has never seen a light bulb before and he has no earthly idea what electricity is. If you were to tell him that flicking a switch will create light in that bulb, would he believe you? Probably not, because for natural human faith to operate, it has to have seen it work before in order to believe it will work now. Knowledge and experience are the keys to operating in natural human faith. You could try to explain and persuade him that it works, but until he experiences it for himself, he will still have doubts. Your words will certainly create curiosity and interest, but he won't be a believer until he sees the results. Once he has practiced turning a light on a number of times, he will become confident that it will work for him every time. Can you see how we have taken natural human faith for granted? There are so many things that we do automatically without thinking. When you go to sit on a chair, how do you know that it's going to support your weight? You know that the chair you're about to sit on is going to support your weight because every chair you sat on before supported your weight. You know it by experience. But suppose about 50% of the chairs you sat on fell apart and you landed on the floor. Would you be so confident to sit in a chair without first testing it? Then once you are convinced that the chair will support your weight, you will then sit in it. All this is common sense, isn't it? Even the rank sinner and atheist understand these concepts and operates in them every day without thinking, just like you do. Most Christians are experts in functioning in this natural realm, but when it comes to operating in this spiritual realm, they are as helpless as a newborn baby. Yet what about faith in God's word? Can it be that simple? Can living by faith be as natural to me as sitting in a chair? I have developed tremendous trust and reliance in natural things, Why can't I have that same degree of faith in spiritual things? You know we can. The second form of faith is Bible-believing faith. I am not going to go into much detail here because the principles of Bible-believing faith will be covered in greater detail 
in the following episodes. However, there are a few things I would like to point out to you. First of all, not everyone can operate in the spiritual side of faith. 2 Thessalonians 3.2 And I pray that you may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. According to this passage of scripture, wicked and evil people do not have faith. Not at all speaking about natural human faith. The context of this passage of scripture is referring to the operation of Bible faith, faith in God's word. The unsaved are not born again. They do not have the word of God in their heart. They have no legal standing to claim the promises of God without coming to Jesus first. Bible faith works out of the heart of the believer who has been born again. According to Romans 12.3, God has given every child of God the measure of faith. Notice every believer starts their Christian race with the same measure. Now it's up to us, each one of us as individuals, to develop and use their faith so that it will grow and increase. God has left the development of our faith up to us. If we don't do it, it won't be done. Spiritual growth is a process, just as you don't become developed in operating in natural faith overnight. Neither is it the case in operating in Bible-believing faith. Of course, the Holy Spirit's going to help us along the way. Let's draw some parallel principles of natural human faith and Bible faith. We have said that natural human faith is developed through knowledge and experience. Bible faith operates along the same lines, through the knowledge of God's word, and the experience part is putting it into practice. The more experience we have in operating Bible faith in a particular area, like for example healing, the more proficient we're going to have at receiving healing, and the more confident we'll be. Yet it is important to understand that just because we have faith in one area does not mean that we have automatically built faith in every other area of the Bible. The principles for attaining faith for healing works the same as it does for any other promise from God, but we still have to build the promises of God for each subject area in our spirit in order to receive from those areas of God's word according to the promises of God. For example, you may have developed tremendous amount of natural human faith in driving an automobile. Through knowledge and experience, you have perfected your driving skills to a literal science. Yet if I put you inside a helicopter and there's no steering wheel or turn signals, you are lost. If you're smart, you will get out of that thing unless you want to crash and burn. However, if you go to flying schools and take lessons with an instructor, you can get back into that same helicopter and fly it with all confidence and ability in the world. What is the difference? You now have knowledge and experience to operate that machine. You understand the principles. The same thing is true concerning the operation of faith in God's word. Over time, through knowledge and experience, we will acquire a highly developed faith to receive physical healing for our body, for example. Yet when it comes to receiving financial needs met, we may not be as bit confident and have only a little bit of faith for it. However, like going to flying school, if we train and develop our spirit in the area of releasing faith concerning finances, We will grow to the place of receiving finances on the same level as receiving healing. All of us are at different levels, faith levels, for receiving from God in these different areas. Remember, the faith level we operate in for a particular area is in proportion to the measure of God's word in our hearts and spoken out of our mouths. Also, we put God's word into practice and experience the reality of it firsthand in our lives. 
the measure of faith will grow and increase as a result. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 Now we come to the third kind of faith, special faith. Special faith is a temporary deposit of faith from God in our heart. Usually it is given in conjunction with working of miracles. Special faith is a manifestation of the Spirit of God in a particular instance. It's as the Spirit wills. This deposit of faith is beyond our capacity to believe in order for God to get some jobs done here on earth. He can't wait for us to spend the rest of our lives developing our faith in a certain area in order to receive this miracle from God. Therefore, God will deposit special faith in us only for that particular instance. Once the miracle is manifest, the special faith is gone. If we were to face the same situation again later on, unless God gave us another deposit of special faith, we would not be in a position to believe for it. This manifestation of the Holy Spirit is as He wills, according to 1 Corinthians 12.11. Now in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, it states, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Holy Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. We know that faith comes by hearing the word according to Romans 10.17. We can develop our faith in the promises of God to receive all our needs met. It's spiritual seed. Suppose we come across a person who is unsaved and has died physically. We know that he's gone to hell because he was not born again on this earth. The first thing that may come in our mind is if he could be raised from the dead, he could get saved and not go to hell forever. So we can pray and nothing happens. Our faith is not strong and developed enough on a personal level to get the job done. If we are by ourselves, there's no time to get a body of believers together to pray in agreement and release the corporate anointing. So what do we do in a case like this? I would suggest that we do like what I believe Peter had done in the book of Acts. Peter had asked the Father for a manifestation of special faith by the Holy Spirit in order to work a miracle in Acts 9.36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which means, or translated, Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydia was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So you may be wondering, what was it that Peter was praying? I believe that he was doing what Paul had instructed believers to do by the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. He also said the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12.31, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. I believe that Peter knew he did not personally have the faith to raise the dead. So he prayed to God for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. As it was, God answered his prayer and raised her from the dead through Peter. As believers today, we will encounter situations that are way beyond our faith to believe, 
and it may be a life or death situation. There is no time to develop our personal faith for that moment, so I encourage you to ask the Father for special faith for that situation. The incredible thing about special faith is that it enables us to believe for the impossible, far beyond our current faith level to believe. It would be like flying that helicopter supernaturally without having ever been trained. Yet, for that crucial moment, God could give us special faith to supply knowledge and skill where there was none in order to fly that machine to safety. So remember, there are three kinds of faith. Natural human faith, Bible-believing faith, and special faith. This was a short episode, but it has laid the foundation for a closer look into the Word of Faith and the Spirit of Faith principles in God's Word that will be covered next. God bless. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.